This is the Yay, I'm Reg Clay. <laughs> I'm Bridget Detta Portman. <laughs> and this is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! Um, we are sponsored, as always, by Central Works, a new play theater headed by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. We have a wonderful guest and a wonderful guest host. We have Bridget Dutta-Portman, who is a, uh, a playwright, a novelist, uh, and uh, we've been promoting her and also you ha and you're a teacher as well. And you've been doing, uh, I'm trying to bring it up here, uh, New Threads Reading Series. Is that still going on um, with yeah. the Golden Thread? Yes, actually. Um, so I worked on a collaboratively written play um, that I wrote with Hamira Gilzai. And it's called Pilgrimage. And that's going to be coming up on August 23rd at um, 7 p.m. Um, right on. And we have, a, um, we have a link there as well. We've been promoting yes. it pretty much oh, you know, great. from the minute. You've uh, mentioned it. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, the books because you're, you know, your career has been interesting. You know, you've been a playwright and now you've gotten into publishing. And I, I want to talk as, as much as we can about that as well. But our guest, uh, someone who I have uh, been on stage, I wrote in my little blurb here that we've been together like Romulus and Remus. <laughs> Romulus and Remus. I'm bringing uh, out theater wannabes. <laughs> Ronnie Anderson. Ronnie, how are you doing? I should know how you're doing because we've spent <laughs> an entire month together. I'm doing really well. I actually got some sleep. Good, good for you. A little bit last night, yes. Fantastic. And you just, uh, you took your wife, I think she uh, did some acupuncture things. So you've been a dutiful husband. Yes, yes. Uh, my wife just had some back problems, so I'm going, uh, being a little overtime. Right but, on. But well worth it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll talk about you and your career and uh, how theaters treated you. And also, you know, you have a career in film as well. So, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, the, even even his tiny one is, is a pretty good one. one. You've yes. been telling me some wonderful stories. Um, how has, uh, well, how's the weekend been for everybody? Uh, Bridget, how, how are your family? You have a young one who's going back to school very soon. I do, yeah. Um, I have a uh, an eight-year-old son. Um, and we were talking before the show today how... Um, it's kind of amazing to me that the summer is almost over because when I was young, I remember summers just lasted forever. They seem to last years. And now um, August 17th already, he's going back to school. He's starting third grade. So I'm just like, oh, okay. I hope he enjoyed his summer. I think he did. Like he did some fun kind of like camp things, yeah. um, sports stuff. And so, yeah. Um. Yeah, I remember. I, I agree with you. I remember going back to school. Usually Labor Day would be like yeah, the yeah. last great yeah. <laughs> holiday before school uh, chimes in. And But it's it's starting earlier and earlier. It seems like it. It seems unfair. Yeah. And it's uh, going on longer, too, it seems like, some some schools. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why, why that is. It seems a little bit unfair. But I also think that time just speeds up as you get older mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were talking about, a lot about that, like the things that you remember as a child um, or, you know, just as a young person. Um, it just seems to last forever. Um, and as an as a older person, me and I blink, and I'm like, well, ten years ago doesn't feel like a lot that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is probably like every additional year is a smaller slice of your life yeah. looking back. But then I also heard um, a theory that like the brain actually slows down mm. as you get older, and so time like appears to speed up. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. also seems very unfair. Well, I just read an article that the Earth is spinning faster, and each year we're going like. 
1.27 nanoseconds faster. Faster. So we're, we're losing a little time each year. Yeah, that's interesting. But the memory wow. of when you're young, I know, plays with you. Like, I remember going into this house that I grew up in that I haven't been in in years. And I probably never will again because it's been sold to someone else. But I remember the last time being in there, and I was like, wait a minute, this is, house is really small. Yes. I thought it was a mansion yes. because I was a child. That's the other thing. Yeah, everything seemed so much bigger. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you had that phenomenon, Ronnie? About six months ago, I was going by my childhood home, and I saw somebody. I said, hey, I grew up here. She says, well, whatever you like, you can come by. And I said, well, how about now? So she gave me a tour, and it was a lot smaller. But the crazy thing was, the house I own now is exactly the same house. It's designed the same way, has the same picture of oh, windows, same stairs oh. in the front, same layout. I go, I just bought my childhood home. That's so yeah, funny. I wonder if you, did you know that or was that no, just happened had, subliminally? No, I, no I, we had moved out when I was five and I had, I just had memories of it, but not distinct. But once I was in there, I go, oh my God, I remember all this. Wow, it stuck it with you. just like my current house. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is, that is very, very interesting. But it's amazing how the memory plays with you mm-hmm. and... I've actually had some ideas as a playwright about how memory, you know, can sort of play. Like, we've all had the phenomena of, let's say, going to your parents' home or going to a relative's place. And you're like, oh, I remember back when, you know, five or ten years or let's say 15 years, when we were young, this happened. And a relative's like, no, 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 I remember it differently or (laughs) something like that. Or Or you tell your parent, your mother, your father. Remember when that happened? It's like, no, I don't remember that didn't happen. And then yeah. you get, it could be an argument or it could be, well, never mind. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> so it's, it's funny how, which, which memories stick with you too, because I have certain memories of my childhood that are just, they're not really of anything very momentous. They're just like random little moments, but that has stuck with me all this time. And then other things I don't remember at all. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that is fascinating. Um, there have been a cu- couple of uh, current events. We've talked about um, both of you have been school to our school. Well, you're teaching. I mean, that's a new, new thing that's happening with you, Bridget. You're teaching at, I believe, Berkeley. Is yeah. it Berkeley? Yeah. So congratulations Thank to you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited. <laughs> Does that really mean you're excited. a professor? Um, I'm an adjunct um, lecturer. All right. So, but um, I'm going to be teaching full time this fall and likely in the spring also. So, um uh, and I, I love Berkeley. I love the campus. I love the students. So I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. There's been a dearth of um, teaching jobs uh, throughout the United States. I was reading, I think it was in USA Today, Nevada, they're looking for 3,000 teaching slots in Illinois, 2,000. Wow. Houston, Texas, 1,000. And it's because of a combination of covid um, there's some, I don't know, polarization within, you know, just political things, which trickle down into school curriculum. Um, and also there's been the thing called the Great Resignation. Have you guys heard about this? Uh, just Massive yeah. people just saying, oh, you know, screw this job. Oh, I, yes. I'm going to quit. Yeah. I'll retire yeah. early. Yeah. Or, yes, yes. And some have regretted it. You know, there's, <laughs> I read an article that, you know, today people are regretting losing their jobs because let's say the new job that they have isn't as good as their old one. Or, you know, they, they can't afford, they found they can't afford to quit the job that they already quit. So, right, right. so there's a lot of that going on. There's just a lot of it. I don't know if COVID-19 has sort of amplified that. I mean, COVID-19, I don't know for, for any of you, it's been good for me as a worker because instead of coming in to work five days a week, I come in like two days a week, but I could still, you know, do my job even from home. So has COVID-19 worked for the better or for the worse? I mean, I guess as a teacher, you have to be in this, in this classroom. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of online teaching, um, not for Berkeley, but mm-hmm. um, 
uh, for just for other things. And yeah. um, it's worked out fairly well. Like I, there are, there definitely have been some advantages to yeah. um, to to working this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my husband, who's an engineer um, now, has does like a hybrid thing, and he he works from home a couple of days a week and um, goes a couple of days. So it's it's actually. Um, yeah, I think it's shown us like the possibilities of, of virtual and, and distance work in a way that's been kind of useful. Yeah. Has it worked well with you, the whole COVID thing? Well, in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, we did do some uh, Zoom classes and we had really good success in the beginning. But each week we've sort of been losing about half the students. Oh, yeah. And, and these are young students. I didn't yeah, think about that. Yeah. It's very tough. I mean, if you're dealing with five, six-year-olds. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, we, have, we went very back, right back that first summer. Um, and it was hell that first summer because we had to take extra steps for, you know, um, sanitizing everything, um, you know, being uber careful, uh, clean and, you know, no hand touching, just constantly having children wash their hands after every bit of business. Yeah. Has it been tough on the kids, Ron? Yeah, it has. At, yeah. at first it was. And then we made a games out of it and, and things last, lax a little bit. A little bit towards the end. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Bridget, I mean, have you had any conversations with your, this is your daughter, right? Or is it your son? Um, so my son is the, the eight-year-old and then my daughter just turned three. Okay. Okay. So obviously you can't have, but I wonder if your son, even when COVID sort of hit, any conversations like, you know, what's happening? Like if I were eight years old, I would be like, what's happening in the world yeah. or what's going on? Yeah. What, how's that conversation been? We, we did have that conversation and, um, and he actually did his entire first grade year virtually, mm. um, which was a, that was a challenge, but, um, but he did it. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of how he kind of got through it. Um, and I'm, now I'm thinking like my daughter just knows that like, oh, when you, when you go outside, you wear your mask and it's become just like a normal oh, that's thing good. for mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And it's, and in a way that's good, but then another way I'm thinking like now she thinks this is like her, is this like the new normal? Yeah, it is sad, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but uh, yeah, my son's, my son's been, been so he's, adapted to it. he's coped well it. with it. Yeah. He has coped well. Yeah. So I do wonder about the transition of, I guess, I guess a, an older kid who has known the life pre-COVID-19, they would have a harder time adjusting to it. But that's been interesting. Um in local news, I've I, I, I'm a bit heartbroken because I love independent movies theaters. The Embarcadero has closed, mm-hmm. the Shattuck Cinema mm-hmm. has closed, and now the California is going to turn into a 15 st- oh. sto- uh, room story uh, housing complex. I mean, oh. if it's affordable housing, that's great. But I I love. I mean, when I go to movies, I don't necessarily go to see the Marvel stuff or mm-hmm. whatever. I go mm-hmm. to see you know the small little independent stuff and. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's COVID-19 or if just the market has sort of dried up, but... No, it's real estate, I think. Yeah. Because downtown Berkeley is unrecognizable. Shattuck Avenue uh, is unrecognizable. All these new Mm. condominiums, buildings, uh, housing. Yeah. I I don't know how they're going to fill it all, but Mm. it's... I mean, all these... I mean, these... Also, uh, the Oaks Theater, which was top of in, oh, in Berkeley also. Yeah. The theater gets just torn down. What a shame. But, well, they're making it into a... Um, uh, well, no, that one is becoming a indoor rock climbing. But the the University Theater also, but that's a concert venue now. Yeah. So at least it's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wise. And I'm just wondering if also if people just don't want to go to the theater anymore. They may want to see film, but they may just want to have it streamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. There's so, there's so many options now. 
Um, it's, it's, you know, so many things you can just watch on Netflix. Yeah. Um, like, I personally haven't been to the theater in, like, two years. Interesting. Yeah. But you don't miss it. I, I, I mean, part of, okay, part of that is because I have young kids. And, sure. like, we can't take our daughter to the theater right now. Yeah. She would just make, it would be a big hassle. <laughs> sure, um, If it hadn't been for that, I probably would have gone a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I can't say, like, I really miss it a lot. Like, I missed theater, mm-hmm. like, not not movie theater. More. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the actual live theater. I mean, I, I think theater. that's one great thing about live theater because you, there's no way that you can represent that. Even with all the Zoom things that have been going on with a lot of theater companies, nothing beats walking in and seeing live yeah. theater. Yeah. But I do think the cinema, I mean, I there's sort of a, um, a nostalgia of having a reaction and having someone next to me react to mm. what's happening on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure you remember the heydays of the 50s and the 60s. That may have been the heyday of cinema and, you know, movie stars and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's sad to see. So we'll see what's going on with there. There have been a couple of deaths. Nichelle Nichols, yeah. who was Uhura, um, Bill Russell, Marky Post. Uh, if you are a fan of Night Court, mm-hmm. um, she passed away uh, due to cancer. Um I saw a live taping of Night Court. You did? Yeah, way back when. Oh, wow. That must have been awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very cool. And uh, there are a couple of fun things. I tried to throw some fun things in there. So a passenger flying from Indonesia to Australia was fined $1,874 because he had a bagel, no, a a muffin, like a McMuffin in his thing. Oh, I saw that. Because uh, there's a... I guess they're trying to restrict. I'm trying to think of what the disease is. There's some sort of a food disease, oh. um, and also, it, I mean, well, monkeypox is is happening now. That's that. There's a state of emergency with that, and that's also very serious. But um, they're trying to restrict any food coming in, or you have to declare the food. And this person had a McMuffin, didn't declare it, and now he has to pay the equivalent of nearly two thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> That's a big hit. And it, it doesn't sound like they're going to relent on that, the oh, Australian government. Oh, like I understand where they're coming from, but that's like anybody could easily forget. I'm sure that I have like accidentally brought food yep. like, all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I haven't I haven't traveled since uh, 2020, 2018 outside of the country. So mainly because of COVID-19, yeah. but also I have to think about these things. And uh, the last thing, okay, so Jeanette McCourty, I, I don't even know who she is. She uh, She's a young teen actress or whatever, and she wrote a book called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Uh, hmm. This It feels like Mommy Dearest territory where, I don't know, she's she's talking about the limits of being a young actress and the pressure that she's had to go through and, and all of this sort of stuff. I just thought that was really, really crass. In any case, so those are the things that are going on in <laughs> the news. Um, let's get into an origin story. Ronnie Anderson, um, are you a native of the Bay? Yes. I was born in Albany, California. Wow. Which is a small town next to Berkeley. I was actually born in Albany Hospital, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now the Albany Community Center slash library. Mm -hmm. Siblings? Uh, yes. I have two brothers. I'm the youngest. Um... And you're the only one, are are they in theater? Are you the only one in theater? No, 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 no. My oldest brother, he's, uh... He was a police officer with the Oakland Police. Then he got his law degree, became a lawyer. Then wow. he worked for, he was a deputy attorney general of California. Oh. So, wow. That No, that is very impressive. Yes. He now. Worked, he worked with Robert um, um, Mueller. 
Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic. Um, Were you the type to get involved in theater later when you were young? Like, did you do like um, kitty theater in elementary school, that sort of stuff? No, no. When I grew up, I I thought I was going to be Ray Harryhausen. Anyone know who he was? No. Okay. He was stop motion animator. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did the Sinbad movies and Jason and the Argonaut, the stop motion. I think they did a documentary on him just uh, maybe a year or so ago. There's been quite a few, but yes. Um, And he, he did it all by himself. He didn't have any, he had a few helpers later on, but in the beginning he did all the special effects. He yeah. Helped, he created these, he didn't call them monsters, he called them creatures. Yeah. Uh, Jason at the Argonauts, yes, I remember that. Yes. And um, Godzilla, although that may have been a Japanese. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I love those too, Suitmation. Yeah. And I grew up, I just love fantasy films. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to be involved in the uh, special effects. I used to do uh, clay models of people's faces, and I would create monster makeup. This is, I didn't know that. Oh, I did lots of this. This is this is before high school, before even junior high. This is what I was doing, uh, and I was convinced I was going to be uh, Rick Baker, who I met. Actually, I met Harryhausen too. Mm-hmm. Um, I met my heroes, which is a nice wow. thing. Wow, very they were, cool. And I wasn't disappointed. Yeah. Um, but that's what I thought it was going to be more backstage. So were you like a kid who would, let's say, do these things, then take a picture, yep. and then move them a little bit, yep. and take a picture? Exactly. It yep. must be exhausting, but I guess it's fun, too. Well, that's when I realized I couldn't be an animator. <laughs> I didn't have the patience. I'm, uh, you might, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a little mm-hmm. hyper, maybe. I've been told that. That's okay. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> and being still for a long period is just not my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, did you, were you involved in theater uh, in high school? Did they have yes. a theater program? Yes. Um, originally, I was involved with choir, and I always knew I was going to be in theater. But first, it was choir because the theater uh, teacher was also the choir director. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, I got into theater, and that whole world opened up for me. And then I haven't looked back since. Very nice. Yeah. Now, did you go to college for theater? I, did. I went to many colleges for theater. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Um, and I was great about college was um, I was able to get. In high school, I had mostly smaller parts, but then each year I got a little better, got a little better parts. Mm-hmm. College, I had better parts. You know, I didn't start off being a star or a lead. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was, I was the extra of the extra of the extra in the background. And, yeah, and I worked my way up. Yeah, I'm always interested in techniques. Like usually, with Norman and I, we do these episodes. There have been people who are involved in theater and they haven't had any training at all, but they do well because you know they just have natural talent. Mm-hmm. And then there's some who really are anchored to the techniques that they've learned from school or whatever. How, how do you feel about that? Have you had, did you have a lot of, did you learn about Stanislavski and Meisner and that sort of stuff? Of course, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, but mostly that, I learned all that on my own. Okay. Schools didn't really teach that, as at least, I mean, not the classes I was taking at least. Um, they were just basically, um, uh, well, the acting classes, for example, they just give you recommended books. And we didn't really teach acting, we just, had scenes and we would work them out. Okay, mm-hmm. so so it sounds like the teacher was more like a director, like wouldn't mm-hmm. would not teach you how to act, not, but just sort of you know guide you through. Yeah, I think the acting teaching I had, I took. Uh, I was in the Gene Shelton's workshop. Ah, yeah. I Matter of fact, we had a couple of uh, people, Richard Harder and a couple of other folks, James Centrafonte, who sat the Gene Shelton. Did you actually meet meet Miss Shelton? Oh yeah, oh yeah, she yeah, did. yeah. And I was seeing, I was watching a movie. Um, Disaster Artist, have you seen that? Uh, you know the movie The Room? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they made a movie about it. <laughs> so bad that. it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's so bad it's good. And there was yeah. one scene, there was this acting teacher talking. I go, that's exactly like the Gene Shelton lab. That's exactly like it at the end yeah. of the credits that said Gene Shelton. <laughs> and so they were duplicating the Gene. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah. They had captured it perfectly. You know, yeah. small theater, like, like the Exit Theater or something sure, like that. Sure, sure, sure. And the way she would talk to the actors, and yeah. it was just like the way it was. Well, the playwrights in for San Francisco, and you know, that's the Gene Shelton Theater. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Because mm -hmm. if, if you, uh, I'm looking at Bridget, but when you go down there, if you've ever been to the Playwrights Center for San Francisco, there's a massive picture of the woman uh, when yes, she was young. Yes, it's the Shelton, yes. That's her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I was going to bring you in, Bridget, as a writer. I don't think you've, have you directed before? I have not. Okay. No. But as a writer, you've seen people do your work. Yes. And I'm sure you can recognize the actors who have had training and those who haven't. Do you have, I don't know if you have an opinion or not, an appreciation for either or, like someone who really sinks into the work that you have and, I don't know, those that don't have the... I don't know if I can tell the difference that well. I mean, I really, I admire people uh, very much who are like self-taught mm -hmm. um, and who come, who come to things from like maybe maybe different angles and different places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I've never, yeah, I've never been a director. I've never really been an actor, um, a little bit in like high school stuff. Sure. But um, so I don't have, I don't have those perspectives, but I do love as a playwright, just like being in the room, watching what, what directors and actors do to um, do with my words. Yeah. And sometimes they will find things in my words and, or like put a spin on it that I never intended, but that I'm like, oh, I love that. Right, I exactly. And I guess it depends on what you're writing because you may write something so technical um, that you need someone who has a little bit of experience, let's say theater experience, to handle it. And then there's some roles where, you know, just, you know, it's no big deal. Right, right. Let's say they're a common character or whatever. Not a less important, but just a more common character. So, so Ron, uh, I guess you learn more from experience, just life experience, rather than the, the school. I, I think regarding I have, actors. yes. But there's something to be said about uh, good instincts. Uh, you know, some, I've worked with actors, I, I also directed shows, and I've worked with actors who didn't have a lot of training, but they had really good instincts. And I've worked with people who have a lot of technical training, but they don't have good instincts. And I think mm -hmm. if I that's had to exactly right. If I had to choose there, one, there are I, would, extremes. I would choose the good instincts because some of the technical things like where to stand, how to speak, you can kind of guide them a little bit. But yeah. how to teach somebody to be in that moment, that is really hard yeah. to teach. Yeah. 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 It's one of those intangible things. Or, or that creativity spark that, right. that, like you mentioned, the actor will bring out some words that you didn't, or interpretation. Or, right. Or they will connect with a character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's hard to like quantify. Like it, mm. that, that maybe doesn't have anything to do with your training. If they, they really connect with a certain character mm -hmm. and, and embody that character. Yep. Yeah. Talk to me about LA. You went to LA for a I, bit. I did. I was there for about four or five years when I was in my uh, mid twenties. And, um, are we, and now we're we talking about the eighties. I don't want to date yeah, you. Yeah, you can date me. I'm the eighties. <laughs> <80s. laughs> And it was a great time to be there. But while I was there, everyone said, oh, you should have been here 10 years ago. It was so wonderful. But I've gone back, back since. It was great in the 80s, trust me. Um, I had done a lot of extra work, and, which was a lot of fun because you get to work with, you know, I was hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. or uh, James yeah. Bader or um, Frank Gorsha, for example, who did the Riddler in the, I mean, oh, that's the original right. Batman yeah, series. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, the Batman, yeah, with you know, Adam West and all. So I worked with all these people, you know, either famous or soon to be famous or you know maybe not past quite their famous. prime maybe yeah a little bit but you know we backstage we just 
shooting the shit, having a good time. It was just like, it was a lot of fun. It was a yeah. lot of fun, and I was really lucky. I got some small role uh, speaking parts here and there. Uh, a lot of them were cut out in the final uh, yeah. version, but I still had fun. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> and everyone says, oh, I hate L.A., but, you know, if you surround yourself with nice people, and I was really lucky, I had a apartment building, which I just had a lot of friends there, and we had a... It was a real team spirit. And yeah. Well, it sounds like you were you were there probably before it got. I mean, I've never been to L.A., but I've had friends of mine go to L.A. and they they were like, "Oh my God, it's such a, um, I don't know, a jungle where you know actors just can't get their foot in the door or mm. they're doing well, more time." Well, that was true then too. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe yeah. Yeah, they're doing more. Uh, they're waiting tables and far more than uh, they actually getting right. roles. Right. But it sounds right. like you were right there at the last age of, I guess, what we call the golden age. You were telling me a story of Frank Langella. Uh, <laughs> well, well I, I worked at this hotel, the Sunset Marquis Hotel, which is still there. And it's what's great about it was it had a connection with uh, Raleigh Studios. They, the same owners own both uh, institutes. So we had all these actors in all the time. And what they, they had the special villas, and I was the butler for these villas. And I would give 24-hour service to whoever was in there. And one of them was Frank Langella. And, or Langella? Langella. Langella. I think he has that right. He was famous for... He, uh, well, he played Nixon and Frost Nixon. Right. I did not oh. enjoy his version yeah. of Nixon, but that's okay. But also, but my favorite movie of his was Good Night and Good Luck. Yes. Where oh. he played, um, this is the wonderful story about, and, and also Robert Downey Jr., who you've shared that's some right. That's right, that's right. I remember him as Skeletor in... Um, oh, Skeletor. Masters of the Universe yeah. movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dating well, me again. <laughs> yeah. But um, Good Night and Good Luck, that was the story of uh, Edward R. Morrow. Yes. Yeah, and he played um, the executive, I think, right. of NBC, I think. Directed by George Clooney. Jo yeah, mm. exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Frank Vangelo was, um, I thought, was a great actor. But he would call me all the time at uh, 11, 8 p.m., and he would ask for one cigarette. And I had to go searching around to other employees. Because I couldn't just buy a pack. I just grabbed a cigarette from somebody, and I would put on a little plate and open, knock on the door, and I'd bring him a cigarette. <laughs> And every night he would answer the door completely nude, like <laughs> completely nude. Wow! And I'm like, keep my head, you know, my eyes had to keep up. Like, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh goodness! Um, and he goes, put it over there, and he would point, but not with his fingers in that direction. I wonder if he was happy to see you. He was quite, he was quite enthused. My goodness! And every night I'm going, okay. <laughs> How long can this go on? It went on every night for about three months. Yeah. You, you know, there are a lot of folks who they, they dabble into theater and, um, you know, they do it sort of as a, I don't know if it's a hobby or whatever, just something to do. There's some people who, what is it about the theater, even now, that draws you to it? Where, you know, it, some people may say, you know, this is crazy. Why are you spending three or four hours of your nights doing this or, you know, doing this run and... Maybe you're only paid, I don't know, $400, $500, depending upon what the theater is, the thing is. I mean, I know why I love it, but why Why do you love it so much still? Me? Yeah. Uh, wow, that is a good question. It's one of those existentialist questions. <laughs> no, yeah, why do I keep going back? Well, right now, we're, we're currently, uh, Reg and I are currently in a show that opens in actually a week from That's last, right. last night. That's right, six days. And right now we're at the... You know, biting our nails phase. Yeah. But what happens is when once we open, once we really settle into our parts and everything is uh, coagulating just the way we like it, there's just that magic when you say something and the audience laughs or they ooh or they or they cry, and all of a sudden you're connecting. You're connecting not with one person on stage. You're connecting with hundreds of people in the audience as well. Yeah. And 
What's nice is then your character has a voice and they have a, a, an opinion or a thought or it, or it could be even really politically correct, but at least you're thinking about it. And you're, you're creating a discussion. Hopefully after the show, people would go out, have a drink and talk about what they saw. Or, or I did a play once a long time ago called The Foreigner, where I played The Foreigner, and that was a long time ago, and I still run into people who tell me how much that play meant to them. Mm. And wow. I, and, and in fact, about a year ago, I ran into a, a man who, who went up to me and went, Blasney, Blasney, and I went, and that's one of the lines this character always said, and I looked at him, he says, yes, I was five years old or eight years old when I saw it. I, my mom took me two or three times to see this play. It was my favorite play in the world, and his mother was with him, and she said, yeah, he couldn't stop talking about that play. Wow. And, that's, that's awesome. And now he's like, you know, 30 years old or whatever, and 40 maybe, and whatever it was, and oh, yeah, I had like 30. But it, the point was, something I had done a long time ago still resonates with people a generation later. And, that's amazing, yeah. 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 And, and it brought them joy to yes. even thinking about it. And he was excited to see me. He was talking to me like I was a celebrity, and I'm going, well, well. Yeah, and you may have motivated him to be involved in theater. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, I was talking with uh, Norman and a couple of others. What can bring millennials to the theater? You know, because if you have video games and you have <laughs> television and streaming and all this sort of stuff, all these distractions, how do you get people to still come to uh, regional theater? And when you, when uh, let's say a person, a parent brings a child to the theater and they see live theater. And they still hold on to it, even, you know, 20s, some odd years later. That's magic. I mean, that is just fantastic. It is. Yeah. And um, and we've had some wonderful um, moments on stage. You and I, we've been rehearsing right here in my living room uh, doing um, It's Only a Play. We might as well talk about that. Um, how's the experience been? I mean, I'll just say for myself, I really, really enjoy the connection that you and I have, uh, both on stage and off, like you know, just uh, in my in my living room, um, it's uh, it's one of those things, and it's it's one of those intangible things because a lot of actors don't. They're like, hey, listen, I'll see you at rehearsal. That's true. <laughs> oh, we're very lucky. This particular cast is is super friendly. Super. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not quite. We're still. I mean, we're still on our own thing right now. But I I believe that we're going to be a very close cast. I mean, off yeah. stage. Yes. Yeah. Every. I, I like everybody. I think everyone at least um, tolerates me. <laughs> And I think a little more than I hope, but I'm really, I mean, I love just coming to rehearsal. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to get there. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you, you, because uh, your character is uh, James Wicker, who is a, a superstar. Um, well, he has a television series and he comes back to the stage um, to show up for this party. Mm-hmm. And you and I are, uh, my character is Peter. And, you know, we're, we're friends. But also, we've taken different. I mean, I've, I'm still anchored to the theater as a playwright, mm-hmm. and you like, hey, listen, I got to move on to you know, um, you know, where the real money is. But you're coming here, but you're on stage practically the entire play, and you're. Mm-hmm. I really believe you have more lines than anyone else. I have more lines than God. Okay, <laughs> I know your script is the Book of Leviticus. <laughs> this, uh, but I don't think I'm the lead. But I have, I think, the most lines. Wow. Um, I think uh, our friend Peter over here, Reg, is the lead in the show. But because it's all around you, the whole play, because he comes out a little later, but we all talk about him and his okay. play. So it's all about yeah his experience, and I'm facilitating that. Yeah, and you but, you supply you supply the I mean the play is written by Terrence McNally. Yes. And you supply the exposition of what's going on, be it phone calls and just the atmosphere of what it is to be in Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the premiere of a Broadway play, and we're waiting for the reviews coming in. 
Um, <clears throat> anyone okay. who's involved in regional theater wouldn't really know about that. I spent some time, you know, in New York, uh, not around like Broadway, Broadway stuff, but a, sort of a little bit around that. But we get that vibe in that in this world that Terrence McNally is creating. Well, what's amazing about this play is that I was doing a little research just in these last few days, and there's a one line where uh, some uh, Reg's play gets a uh, Reg who plays Peter gets a review from the Times, and it says that, or no, another uh, play, a critic says that someone should have smothered him. His parents <laughs> should have smothered him in his crib. And then I just saw an interview yesterday with Terrence McDally saying that that was his very first review for his very first oh play. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And so he wow. took real things from his life. Yes, yeah, a bit of an autobiography. Talk, talk about harsh. And, yeah. I'm reading, and we have a, a character, we have a dog in it called Torch, and I, now I'm reading a autobiography about uh -huh. Harvey Firestein, who has... has uh, his name comes up a lot in the play, and I realized Terrence had a relationship with, or at least a uh, uh, working relationship with him, and they were very good friends. Oh, interesting. And the dog is named Torch. And, wow. And uh -huh. uh, Harvey's very first big play was Torch Song Trilogy. <laughs> there are a lot of little... Yeah. There's, there's a lot of odd dialogue, and I'm realizing this might have become from real life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. these, these... So there's a lot of trivia, you know, for yeah. those who are in the know yes. in Broadway theater will come oh, to this play, and it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I recognize this and that and the other. This play is for theater geeks. I mean, if you were, if you know about theater, if you grew up with theater, this is the play for you because it names drops all over. You know, most most of the names that we have to look up. But if you know theater, uh, not just modern theater, theater for the last forty years, this show will be a, a feast for you. But you don't have to know the references, the way it's written, the way they're set up, the references. It's an awful lot. It's not like Shakespeare. You may not understand exactly what they're saying, but you understand what they're the meaning is by the context and how the right. actors are right. presenting it. So you, you won't be in the dark if you don't recognize, you know, Harvey Firestein or Ben Brantley, who's the New York Times critic, for example. Mm -hmm. You'll know. You'll know by the way we're, we're the emphasis and the way it's phrased and the way it's... Yeah. That sounds I fun. <clears throat> I want to bring you in, Bridget, uh, just thinking, because it's funny playing Peter, because me, Reg Clay, I am, a, uh, you know, a bit of a playwright as well. Um, and I know, you know, because when I deliver lines like, oh, my God, this is a harsh review that I'm getting as Peter, I can feel that you know, myself. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but um, Bridget, I mean, I don't know, because you've written quite a few plays, you know, throughout your, I'm going to say your career. Um, do you worry about things like that? Like, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten to the level where you have actually gotten reviews in papers and, and things like that. So do I worry about... Bad reviews. Bad reviews. Yeah. Um, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think like everybody wants wants their work to be celebrated and loved. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't I don't try to I try not to think about it that much. Okay. Like I don't have control. You don't have control over reviews. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes like, you know, I've, I've gotten reviews that I didn't really necessarily agree with mm. or, you know, but and, you know, the the um, you know, the impulse is to like argue and be like, no, come on, you totally, you misunderstood this, but then you just have to step away. Right. Like, What's yeah. interesting about Peter is um, the sensitivity of Peter. Uh, there are times where he just breaks down and cries and all this stuff. It's clear that he rides very much on, you know, how people think or feel. And mm -hmm. I thought about that as a creative myself, how you sort of have to have, be Teflon about it. I mean, obviously you want, you don't do it unless you want to, you know, have someone who to truly connect. But I guess my question to you, Bridget, is uh, do you do you care or how much do you care about how if someone gets it, if someone gets the message that, you know, like uh, like earlier this year, Pear Theater, um, we there was a piece that you had put on 
where it dealt with, uh, it was a funny little piece about um, medieval times, the bubonic plague. Yes. And yes. you were making a criticism about how people are treating COVID-19. Yeah. And I'm sure you were very, you, you know, you want the audience to get the message that, hey, you know, we need to take this thing seriously, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Um, how, how much does it weigh in your mind if people get it or not? I mean, and that was a pretty on-the-nose play. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of over the top. Yeah, but it's um, funny. It was very funny. And I think you. that, yeah, it was executed well. Um, it was it was fun to write. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I usually have a message that I, I'm trying to get out with mm-hmm. my with my work. And so it does make me feel good when people get it. Yeah. Um, if, if they don't, then obviously, like, I've done, I, I haven't been clear enough. Yeah. Right, like there's. But I'm sure you have collaborations with the director. Do you talk to the director and say, hey, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah"? I, I um, usually like um, shows that I've been involved in where I got a chance to meet the director, talk to the director, and like where we're on the same page in terms of my kind of my intention with the yeah. play. I think those have been the shows when I've been been happiest with the outcome. Yeah, yeah. and I'll transition to you, Ronnie, as a director. Uh, how many shows have you directed? Well, about twenty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about oh, about half of them were high school productions, junior high productions. Mm-hmm. I've ran a couple uh, drama camps mm-hmm. uh, way back. Have you worked with uh, playwrights, living playwrights? Mm, not living. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's okay. No, just working with the kids and uh, yeah. helping helping them. Well, yeah, in those productions, but they were yeah. I have worked with some playwrights, but not. Um, they were yes the, the drama camp because we had original scripts. Oh sure sure but, no, but that, not, yeah. But they weren't really um, Tony bound scripts. Yeah, but I mean it's a teaching uh, yeah. it's a teaching uh, lesson or uh, um, a place where you can teach a, a kid who's learning to either write or to act or whatever. Hey, mm-hmm. this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to watch out for and all that sort of stuff. But also encouraging them. We you and I were talking Ron off mic about how a director needs to balance being giving constructive criticism but also uplifting them mm-hmm. to not sort of quelch the the talent it, absolutely it's it's a fine line um i was recently in a play where the director gave me no notes he, i didn't get one note hmm. the whole time and i did really well <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i really did um i mean i don't mean to i mean this is what i was told by a lot of people yeah um uh, it's like, either it's either a good thing or a bad thing. It's either yeah. good thing or bad. Attention to you, or you're you've or done so well good, that you don't need so, it. Yeah, <laughs> and I've had directors who will stop you at everything you're doing wrong at the very beginning, and mm-hmm. I'm, I I don't want to tell them. Well, let me make a few mistakes now. Let me mm-hmm. or let me go in one direction, or let me just test this boundary because I will find it. But I have to find it before I know where it is. Let me allow yeah. it. But once you tell me don't do this, don't do that, don't say it this way, you're already you're, you're putting a stop there. You're putting a um, right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my other options are, are are gone, or I have to go to this place where she told me to, but I have to find a way from the previous lines to get to where she or he or she wants me to go to. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the actor has to have a callus. We had Don Monique Williams on, who is now directing at the Aurora. She used to be the artistic director of uh, Town Hall Theater, and she oh. talked about um, having not worrying about um, if the actors are. Um, being curtailed by her direction you know let's say if she's uh being too harsh and all that sort of stuff because you if you're too nice then you're letting too many things go yeah Hmm. uh but if you're too harsh then you can inhibit 
mm-hmm. someone. It's a, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, just, yeah, think, and thinking about, you know, the role of director, the role of, of actor, and then the role of playwright. Mm-hmm. And just having, like, making sure nobody's stepping on each other's toes is mm-hmm. just, like, a tough thing, right? Yeah. It's like, how do you make sure that everybody feels that they are doing their job and that they are... Um, you know, getting respect, and yeah. then how do you how do you keep it all going together? It's a matter of trust. You yeah. know, like I I, I yes. have a flashback of to 2018 when I was involved in the Playwrights Center for San Francisco, and there were a couple of writers who are constantly critiquing the rehearsal process, yeah. and I felt like, hey, Ooh. you gotta just back off. Yeah, get a there's a breathing space. There's a balance there. <laughs> yeah, a balance. yeah, I think right. it's important that playwrights are allowed to attend rehearsal. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then also like there are. There are ways that you you need as a playwright that you need to kind of behave during rehearsal. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a balance. And, and I understand it's like your baby, and you're mm-hmm. giving it to a caregiver, <laughs> but you have to trust that the caregiver is going to yes. do okay. <laughs> you can go to work and do whatever you need to do, and your child will be taken care of. I mean, I did have a one uh, a playwright, a good friend of mine, uh, Jeannie Baroga, who's a Philippine playwright. She has her plays published or presented at Stanford. Uh, that's how good she is. And she talked about how one of her plays was picked up in, I think, New Hampshire. And she went there to see the show, and they had totally botched. They had changed words, mm. and they uh, just and they didn't check in with her, and she just felt totally betrayed. Oh, yeah. So things like that do happen. But, I think yeah. it's rare. The flip side. Yeah, that's the flip side. But yes, you do have to trust, you know, if the director trusts the actors, like, okay, you're not seeing what you want to see on stage, but trust the actor to get their lines and to mm. continue to learn. I mean, I appreciate a director who says, okay, that's an interesting decision. Why did you make the decision? I just yeah. want to see if you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, we were just talking about this. Uh, like if I did a gesture or something and, it, and it, uh, the director would say, don't do that. I, I, I was just telling Reg, well, when I used to direct, if someone did a movement or something and I didn't quite agree with, I would talk to the actor, well, I like your in- instincts there to do something. That didn't quite work. Maybe that could work in another scene. But yeah. maybe what you're doing is, is great because you're thinking, what else can you do instead? It's like being constructive versus being just hard. Yeah. It's hard. You know, once you like, shut down this is the wrong, avenue, right? then you, kind of, you shut off all the other possibilities. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, <clears throat> I absolutely loved it when I when an actor was say, would say, like I would disagree with something, and the actor would come back and prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they would, because they did their homework. They worked yeah. on they worked on the reason, or they they came up with an interpretation that made this work in their way. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the greatest thrill, because almost like what you said, it was like you heard it a different way, and they brought a new reality to it, and it maybe even became more powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it, it told me, wow, the actor's thinking that they, they did their homework. They're they're prepared. They mm-hmm. they they've got their arsenal ready for me, and they've. <laughs> And they made it work. And that's, that's a thrill, too. Yeah. And it reminds me of a quote, uh, something that Scott Munson, I don't know if you know Scott Munson, but uh-huh. he's a, a, a good friend of mine and uh, a playwright. He says sometimes the actor knows the character even better than the playwright once they've had it for a long time. Do you yeah. agree with that, Bridget? I think that, yeah, occasionally that happens. Yeah, that's always really exciting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, like, if I'm watching rehearsal and they bring something to that out of that character that maybe I didn't realize was there, but that makes complete sense mm-hmm. when I when I look at it and I think about it. Those those are exciting moments, and I think that that's something that makes theater unique too. That yeah. you know that collaborative aspect of it. Right, exactly, and that only happens when an actor has done the work mm-hmm. and they know the script well, and they know the uh, and also the collaborative between the director and the actor. You know, the actor we we I can see it's only a play from the perspective of Peter. 
I can't see it from the whole perspective. I have no idea how I read on stage or how everything reads on stage. Only the director can know that. So if I get a uh, constructive criticism because the director is trying to get understand the whole, it's trying to get me to understand the whole perspective of what's happening. I can appreciate that, and I can say, "Oh, okay, I didn't realize." You know, let's say if you and I, <laughs> Jimmy and I, are having a fight, but we're doing it on one corner of the stage and we're blocking, I don't know, something else, or we need to, you know, space things out. Okay, you know, that I can understand, or understanding that, you know, what we do has to f- benefit the entire play, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. what's happening with me. And we can, yeah. we can, we can't get that perspective unless the director tells us that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, how is the theater, how is Bay Area theater treating you? There, there have been, we've had frustrated actors who are like, man, I got to get out of here. I want to go to New York or LA or something like that. There's some who are really, really happy with Bay Area theater. Some are frustrated they're not getting paid enough or they're not getting the roles that they want. How, how has Bay Area theater treated you? Well, that's an interesting question. I used to be really involved with Bay Area theater like over 10 years ago and I've taken a long break. So I've just gotten involved with it again starting February, pretty much, of this year. And this is my fourth show. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Fourth show this year? Let me get that right. Yeah, this is my fourth show. Wow. Mm. Well, the first one, it was a radio show. So we we did live, a live radio show on stage. Uh, That was in February, March. What what company was that? It's called Onstage Theater in Martinez. Um, I forgot the name of the actual production company. Bill Chessman, who, okay. who's an award-winning uh, radio playwright, and uh, known him for a long time, really good friend as well. Uh, he, he wrote it and directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but it was, it, was a nice, um, it was a nice coming back into the theater situation because I, I was a little rough. It's been a while, and I, we had the scripts in front of us, and I got to do sound effects too, which oh, actually nice. was thrilling. It, cool. It's like old-timey yeah, radio, radio show, theater. Yeah, radio theater. You know, opening doors, you know, you had a little door <laughs> open up, and. Mm-hmm. Created doorbells out of, um, you know, hitting bells with uh, chopsticks, that kind of thing, and it was great. It was a lot of fun, and I had a lot of, uh, a lot of creative input, and that was very uh, reassuring. The next show, I was, I was stage manager for mm-hmm. Masker's Rocket Man. Oh, nice. Okay. Which was great, and then I just did uh, Fulton Bros with the Actors Ensemble of Berkeley, which just closed last week, or a week and a half ago, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a wonderful experience. Uh, a lot of young actors, uh, a lot of newbies, which were they were a little some were some were green. And but they had uh, you know so much enthusiasm that sounds uh, like it was a great venue for a new actor. It was a great venue for new actors, and uh, it was a little rough on the edges, but I think that was part of its charm too. I, I have to admit, before it opened, I I didn't invite a lot of people, and then by the time it did open, I invited as many as I could. Not everyone could see it, but it, audiences really liked it, and that that was very satisfying. Mm, yeah, um, no, it's awesome. It sounds like uh, the theater has. I mean, you know, it, when. Because I imagine for a lot of these roles, you get a phone call or a text message. I don't know if you've actually gone out for these roles, but if you have people grab to you I, and say, I, I, you know, I, I, let me call Ronnie. Well, what's happened is, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I'm not. I'm, in fact, I'm more uh, mystified by all this. I had the worst time auditioning way back you know, years ago. I have dyslexia, which is the first time telling people this. Mm. So I was horrible at cold readings. I was just the worst at cold reader, and I would rarely get cast. Often I would be cast by, I had done something and they remembered me and they would invite me back in. And that's how I got a lot of the roles I had gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I do well performing, but auditions I sucked at. This time around, uh, I've done a lot better with auditions. Maybe I'm more comfortable with myself, but also I'm older. 
and lot there are a lot more roles for well male characters my age I've noticed. Mm. Yeah. Before I got mm-hmm. it's only a play I was cast I auditioned for seven plays I was cast in six of them. Hey, there wow, you go. Nice. And uh, but I was holding out for it's only a play, <laughs> and I turned down a couple of really great roles. And yeah. it turned out I got it because she. She took about a month to cast it after the yeah. audition. I was really glad I held yeah. it because this is an amazing play mm-hmm. with an amazing cast. Oh, and I want to say something about Reg, too. He is so wonderful to work with on stage. This is the most giving band. Oh, thank he you. He is so giving to everybody. But I know with me, I can say personally. Yeah. And good spirits. And thank goodness the rest of the cast is the same way, too. We just have a really... Uh, we open... August 12th, <laughs> all three of the Playhouse in Alameda, be there or be square, because this is the show to I see everybody. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, and it, we'll, ha- we'll have a link in yes, the show notes. it's a fun show. It's a fun show. Uh, normally, I don't tell people to come see the shows I'm in. This one, I'm telling you to come see. Not for me. See it for Reg. Oh, see it for all of us. See it for all of us, yeah. But it's, it's, it's funny cast. you were mentioning about auditions, because I've been a bit critical. You know, someone can, Norm and I, we talked about this, either you give great monologues, there are people who give fantastic monologues, but who are not great actors because they only know how to do that mm, one monologue mm. or that one trick pony that they do. Oh, yes. <laughs> which absolutely. is so spectacular. Oh, and the, uh, I, oh, the other thing I was going to mention, I had done all these auditions in a row. Yeah. I have found out if you do a bunch in a row, the next one gets easier, then the next one gets easier, then the yeah. next one. And I was already cast in this Fulton Bros, so I didn't even care if I was cast anymore. So I was having the best time. <laughs> yeah. Because part of my dyslexia is when I get twisted, I get more nervous and I mess mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. then I'm flustered and then the rest of the scene just dissolves. Yeah. But Well, there's a whole psychology with, with theater, I mean, with act, especially with actors, because we, we expose ourselves so much. Yeah. And either you're, you're overly competent, unless you're a narcissist or whatever, but you, you're very sensitive. You know, you're like, am I doing this the right way? I ran into an issue with N.I. Say where it became a, uh, you know, as an actor, I feel I want to be as spontaneous as possible and an actress had a problem with it and we had to bring in an intimacy coach or whatever and I you know I sort of felt cut down but it it was something we needed to have happen Mm -hmm. because and that was fine but that's the sensitivity of the actor you know you 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 don't know and it becomes even worse when you do an audition because you know there's some people who do great cold reads because they know how to read and that's an art in itself Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me a while to learn how to read a couple of, you know, like read mentally and then actually say the words while I'm reading the next line so that I don't stumble or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just because someone stumbles or bumbles, that doesn't mean they're uh, not a great actor. Mm-hmm. Right, There's some right. wonderful actors who don't do great auditions. Norman was telling a story where he does this audition and he has this uh, monologue and he knows where to sit. He knows when to stand at a particular place or whatever. He comes in. And the director's like, take the chair away. You're going to do it all standing up, which totally destroyed his rhythm. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of a lesson. like, okay, I got to do this other ways. But, you know, there are all sorts of things that, that we have or whatever. And it's, we have to monitor, you know, our, our emotions, you know, whether it be the rehearsal process, auditions. It's a, it's, you know, I call our emotions as actors as sort of like the, uh, our, our, um, our currency, you know. Um, how we, the greater we have uh, our ability to manipulate it, the, you know, the better actors we are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can be you can be exposed, especially the larger the role you get. Like you know, I the earlier part of it, it's only a play, the rehearsal process. I was a little exposed because I was doing things, usual Reg Clay things that I needed to cut down on, like using my hands too much. Mm-hmm. I you know, uh, Katina, the director, told me. 
stop doing this. <laughs> because I'd have a habit of throwing my hands up and then just letting my hands drop. And I got a little offended, but inside I was saying, no, this is absolutely right. And it took me back to when I was in college and my theater teacher told me the exact same thing. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to. And of course, I hadn't had a leading role in a while. So I was like, okay, I've got to relearn to not do these habits. And, you know, th those are good things. I mean, it's constructive criticism, but it's necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just in awe of actors because I, I mean, I acted a tiny little bit in, in like middle school mm -hmm. and just couldn't get past the nerves. Like yeah. to, to put yourself out there so and be so vulnerable and be like all the attention is on you. I'm just um, I'm in I'm in awe. And I'm just I have a quote for both of you. Mm -hmm. Like um, how how nervous do you get before a, a show? Like and just like, before the show? Yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, how do you how do you deal with those nerves if you do if you do feel them? I like West Ronnie. Well, you just reminded me. Just a little sideline. Sure. You remember me? That, it reminded me of something that happened to me in my very first play in high school, and I had a small part in. Uh, you can't take it with you. I played the FBI man who comes in and raids the house. It's you know maybe 10, twenty lines, mm -hmm. but he was very stern. I remember the the final dress rehearsal, and I was kind of wimpy. And the director was frustrated, and one of the actors looked at me and he says, "You're ruining this play." Oh, and God. I was so upset, oh, no. and oh my God! And then the next night was opening night, and I was terrified, of course. But once the you know once I went on, I was in the character. I was the FBI. And I was giving a, a orders to everybody. <laughs> I was telling them what to do, and I was I had authority. And when the curtain closed, everyone came around me and hugged me, and I I felt like a million dollars. Wow! Because the scene, and I realized well. Well, the scene, I mean, I'm sure other things were happening too, but the scene didn't click. And I think maybe my not finding the character had played a part of it, but it really uh, congealed on, on opening night. And um, the scene just sailed. It was great. And then I and had that moment where all the cast just grabs me and hugs me. You oh. did it. Oh, my God. It was so awesome. <laughs> and, and I think that's what hooked me from that moment on, that, that rush, being so nervous and then being so satisfied so, yeah, yeah that's amazing yeah. yeah yeah i'll say for myself the more prepared you are i think the easier it is mm. and i think there it, it's beneficial if you've done it for a while like i remember i think i was telling you ronnie i started speaking in public you know in church when i was like five six years old you know um mm. do this bible verse and this and that and the other and you know the church that we had was you know as i think it was a city block you know uh, in washington dc metropolitan baptist church so I think it helps, and I would recommend public speaking, no matter if you're going to be an actor or not. You know, Norman has talked a lot about working with kids and, you know, teaching. And I think public speaking is such, so, so important because no matter what you do in life, mm -hmm. you're going to have to make an argument and you're going to have to be in front of someone uh, or a group of people. And I think it's um, an important thing to do. Mm -hmm. The more, I mean, when I'm prepared, <clears throat> really, really prepared, like, uh, you know, I have a lot of lines, you have even more lines, but once we know our lines, like our last rehearsal, Ronnie, all of us were pretty tight. You know, uh, Katina told us, hey, we need to, you know, cut the air, you know, to get on, on our cues. And I think we did it. I think our, our last uh, rehearsal was really, really tight. And when you have rehearsals like that, and I can ride home on my e-bike coming home, and I'm like, yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, it just, it just, and all, and you're like, hey, I'm just waiting for that audience because once you're comfortable and you're you're equipped, 
then, you know, once you get out there, I mean, I, I imagine five minutes, ten minutes before I go on stage, I'm a bit nervous or whatever. But I just tell myself, hey, listen, just like it's only a play, it's only theater or whatever, just you know what you're going to do. If you were hired for a reason, <laughs> they didn't make a mistake, trust your talents, just go out there and do it. And boom. And the magic sort of is, is there. Mm-hmm. And the audience is almost like, you know, the, it helps your adrenaline. And, of course, the audience is not there to see you fail. Mm. They, they, they're there. They're they, and they want to see you succeed. They, they want yeah. to see you succeed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that a little bit just as like a teacher. I mean, and I've, I've done plenty of public speaking as a teacher, but I still get nervous every single time, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how prepared I am. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a little bit of, gee, I don't want to say narcissism, but it takes a little bit of pride to sort of say, I am, you know, the man or the woman, and you know, these people are here to see yeah, me. Yeah, like just giving yourself that pep talk. That's a that's a yeah. really good idea. My, my teacher yeah. would say, "Seize the stage." Mm, you know, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I learned a little trick recently, and it's really helped me a lot because I tend, because of dyslexia, I tend to get really, really nervous, and if I just physically smile, I can turn the, the nervousness into excitement, oh. and that becomes positive energy. I think there's a connection with your brain and smiling. I've heard uh-huh. it with other things too. That, that is good. Or it could bring endorphins yeah. or something to yeah. that effect. Anyway, I've been able, because I've noticed that nothing in life will work out better if you're nervous. It seems like everything you do, it will be better serving mm-hmm. you if you are relaxed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And perception begats reality. You know, if you tell yourself you're confident, people will see the confident in you. Yeah. And then there's a feedback of, you know, this is a confident person. And then, you know, you know it, it feeds. And, and that's true with an audience. You know, mm-hmm. if you step on the stage confidently... The audience will feel that and give that back to you. And also smiling helps with articulation because, you yeah. know, you just articulate better. So um, we're running into one last question. Um, where do you see yourself in the future? I mean, do you, do you you know, I, I have a friend of mine who is 85 years old. He, I think he's the oldest person we've had on the yay. And he's like, you know, I, I really just I've just got to tap out of acting because I just don't have the. I can't memorize anymore, or I just, um, do you ever find yourself, are there times where you're like, you know what, I think I'm tapped out, or do you think you'll still be doing this for the next 10 years, or 20 years or so? Well, me, yes, at least 10 years. Yeah. At least. Um, and directing, I think I can direct, because you don't have to memorize lines to direct. That's right. And, I mean, I could be in a wheelchair <laughs> to direct, so I mean, yeah. if I lose my mobility or whatever, I think I could still direct. Yeah, there um, you go. I, and I think I'm a better director than I am an actor. I got to see, uh, you know, one of these days. I mean, I, I never know how directors market themselves because actors have resumes and they have, you know, see the show or whatever. But directors, I guess directors do have resumes they too. Do. But yeah. But things have changed. And I, and I haven't applied. Well, actually, I have been given one directing gig for next year. Mm-hmm. But it was offered to me. I haven't applied. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to a, in all the theaters I used to be associated with, they're all different personnel. No one knows who I was. No one knows what I've done. Yeah. So you have to kind of start from, I'm starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not too late. But if we ask your ten, ten years from now, um, I still like to do it. I like to and I liked I like the um, the local community theaters mm-hmm. uh, and the ones in San Francisco too. Um, we've got some good we got some good people, a lot of talent out there that's not being utilized, and it's just it's just a, a, and the, and the more new people I can work with, is, is you learn from all the people you work with, too. Mm-hmm. You, you do. Yeah. And, and that's always exciting as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, we've hit the one-hour mark, but okay. uh, I wow. think... <laughs> that's blue. No, no, yeah. No, we, we were having a, a lot of fun. 
Uh, I'm just going to bring up birthdays. Uh, you guys are looking at my Facebook post. That's where I, I find the birthdays. So, um, that's not an acting person. Hold on. <laughs> Seymour. Oh, I knew Seymour. S- yeah, Seymour, exactly. Evan Held, he has a birthday uh, on August the 7th. Today is the, what, today's the 6th, yes, yeah. that's tomorrow. Evan Held, uh, he, uh, we worked on the Baldwin Project. That's something I did earlier today, that, uh, earlier this year. Uh, that is a, uh, celebrating, I think, the 100th anniversary of James Baldwin's birth, I want to say. And uh, so that's still going on, and he was a part of that, and uh, we had him on for the A as well. Uh, young actress Katie Amon, her birthday is also August the 7th. I haven't worked with her, but she, I remember her now. She, it's funny, the theater world's like, okay, I know that actress, where do I know this actress from? She auditioned for one of my uh, pieces, uh, a little mini musical called Nia. Um, John Warren, um, he is a, a veteran actor. He, uh, his birthday will be August the 8th. Uh, let's see. I have my, I have a cousin, uh, Michael Johnson. Um, Michael, if you're listening to me, happy birthday. Uh, well, Michael Carol. Barrett, huh? Carol Lashoff or Carol Lashoff. Carol Lashoff. Um, uh, playwright. Oh, do you know her? Yeah. I do. A player, a very good playwright who I know through uh, uh, PCSF and other things. Yeah. Right on. Her birthday is August the eighth. Uh, let's see. Michael Barrett Austin. He is a uh, great actor. We've had, I think, believe we've had him on the A as well. August the twelfth. His birthday is. Eli Sunny Orkiza. Oh, if yeah. anyone's familiar with the um, the Living Document, that's something that he put out last year, asking uh, theater companies and also actors who's work with theater companies how is the diversity are things getting better in the theater and so his movement has uh, really taken shape his birthday is on august the 12th uh also august the 12th uh, uh actress and um director cecilia Palmtag. i'm looking at a poster hedda gobbler she was the lead actress in that also she directed um lifetimes three a wonderful existentialist uh, piece um, her birthday is August 12th. Her and I had a wonderful conversation about, she talked about being a young actress aging into being an older actress and just how that affects women. And so that was a wonderful conversation that we had um, because, you know, middle-aged actors, uh, men, you know, we really don't feel the same sort of um, scrutiny as women do. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so those are the uh, uh, birthdays that we have. And there are some shows. Obviously, I'm going to pump. Um, it's only a play. That will be playing August the 12th through September the 11th. Uh, you and I in that. And we have a link to that. So check that out. Also, um, Bridget, you have the New Threads reading series going on. And you have a piece in that series. So I want to pump that. That will be going on until August the 30th. Is that correct? Um, yes. And mine um, is the, the 23rd. Right on. So, so be, by all means, check that out. So that's a reading. People will have scripts and they'll... Yes. Okay. Yes. Stage, stage reading. Awesome. Norman G., one of the reasons why Bridget is here is because my normal uh, partner in crime, Norman G., is in Back to the Way Things Were, the San Francisco Mime Troupe. He is performing as we speak. That'll be going on until September the 5th. So, so check that out. Also, um, Lear, not King Lear, but Lear. It's an adaptation of Lear is being performed at Cal Shakes. That'll open September the 7th through October the 2nd. Don Monique Williams, we've talked about her. She is direct, co-directing the show. Michael Ashbury is in the show, a former uh, individual who's been on the Yay. And he, um, he and I, uh, he acted in one of my many pieces uh, for Playground, San Francisco. Uh, fantastic actor. 
Sense and Sensibilities is um, being performed. Silicon Valley Shakespeare Company is doing that. That opened August the 5th. That was yesterday. They had their opening night yesterday. That ends September the 4th. Cynthia Branch Lagazinski is in that show. She and I were in... um, Oh, um... Skin of our teeth. I had to look at the poster. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, she's a fantastic actor, and I hope she's having a wonderful time with that. Children of the Sea is a reading uh, being done at Z-Space, directed by Margot Hall. If any of you are um, fans of Disney, and I want to say it's Soul, uh, she is a voice actor, oh. was a voice actor for that. Uh, so she's directing that, and Kari Moy is in the reading. Both of them have been on the A, so check that out. Man of God um, by Shotgun Players is uh, their, their opening September the 3rd. They'll end October the 2nd. We had Hunji Kim, who was our last guest on the Yay. She's the assistant stage manager. Also, Sharon Shaw, Chuck Laxon, and Lauren Garcia are in the show. Uh, I've acted with each of them, uh, so check that out. Camelot by uh, being done by the Contra Costa Civic Theater. Mm-hmm. Open September the 9th, ends October the 9th. Jamie Strube, uh, who I've acted with, is in the show. Much Ado About Nothing, that's of Shakes. That's being done uh, open July the 23rd, ends October, August the 7th, so it all ends tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> uh, Richard Jennings uh, is the composer, and Alan Coyne, who's been in everything, is uh, in the show. Follies uh, will end September the 10th. That's been going on for a while. That's at the San Francisco Playhouse. A good friend of mine, Eko Yamamoto, is in that. Uh, Rent, the Landmark Musical Theater, is doing that. That ends August the 14th. Marla Cox, a good friend of mine, is in that musical. Uh, and uh, there are a couple of podcasts that I want to pump. Uh, Barry Graves has the podcast out, A Black Man's Heart. Check that out. Mallory Samara, our consulting producer, her day job is KCBS Radio. And she has a weekly news podcast called Connect the Dots. And also, Bendelstiff has the Fobcast, so check that out as well, where they explore a Philippine-American immigrant stories. And the last thing I want to pump are the Yay jerseys. I've got Yay jerseys, if you guys are into that. Oh, cool. Uh, they nice. are black and white. I have them on my table right here. And I've been posting pictures of people who have uh, bought our jerseys. Mm. Um, I don't like T-shirts. I'm, I'm a, I've been a jersey person. And I think it shows that you know we in the Bay Area Theater are a team, <laughs> just like a baseball team. Yeah, I like that metaphor. So in any case, it's thirty dollars. You can um, Venmo me or you know IM me to let me know if you want to buy one, and I'll uh, send one to you. That is it. Um, Ron, did you have a good time? I had a great time. <laughs> Thank you. Bridget, did you? I had a wonderful time. Thank (laughs) you. This went by way too fast. (laughs) It went by way too fast. (laughs) Uh, We are, um, of course, we're on all podcast apps, whether you have uh, an an iPhone, that purple podcast app on your iPhone, or if you're a SoundCloud, or if you're an Android user, you could use the SoundCloud app. We're also on Spotify. We're on pretty much all of them. You can just search for the Yay. The Yay is created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. I'm at Red Space Clay. Uh, Norman is at Hoosier Hoosier. Um, any of you have uh, social media that people can reach out to you for? Um, yeah, I'm on, let's see, um, I'm on Facebook, uh, just Bridget Dutta Portman. Okay. Um, I'm on Twitter at um, BD Portman and Instagram at BD Portman. Okay. 
So people are looking for a budding um, playwright and also a teacher. You know, I'm sure that, you know, you uh, give um, either personal lessons or lectures and things like that. Uh, I Although do, your yeah. your schedule is going to be busy. But it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, you know, we really should pump your, um, you have a couple of novels out that, that I can do. be bought on Amazon, right? I do, yeah. yeah so talk about that. Um, it's a it's a young adult fantasy series. It's a trilogy. Um, the first book is called The Twin Stars. So um, you can do a search. Uh, it comes up on, on Amazon um, and a couple of other places. Um, and the second book came out in May, and then I'm currently writing the, the third book of the trilogy. Yeah. Wow. That is fantastic. we got to get you back on to talk about the transition. Not that you're transitioning from playwriting to, to being a novelist, because you're still doing playwriting. Yes. But... It's an interesting new business to get into. Jeannie Baroga is doing the exact same thing. She's also getting um, from playwriting into writing. And it's fascinating. It's one of those things. I could never do it because I, it would just drive me crazy describing, I don't know, the trees exactly. and the birds or whatever. Yeah, so, I had to like, have to like learn to do exposition again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that will be a fun thing. Uh, Ronnie, uh, where can people find you? If people looking for a budding... Uh, you can find me at actor. Reg Clay's home at this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me in my car outside your house right now. <laughs> But do you do the Instagram? I, I thing? don't. No? I don't have any social media. No, oh, okay. I'm, I'm highly criticized. I have. I. I. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a dinosaur. You don't have an OnlyFans site. I have nothing. Okay. I have nothing. That, that's a joke. OnlyFans <laughs> is for porn. I, Never yeah. mind. What? <laughs> it's something the young folks are doing. I, I thought you would get that joke. Never mind. What? <laughs> what was that again? Yeah. So you're not even on Facebook. No. Okay. No. So when I'm, people... I'm one of those rare creatures. I, I yeah. have privacy issues, and um... I hear you. How about email? Can people reach you via email if there's a director or a producer who's looking for uh, a leading man? Yes. You'll love this one. Mothraya at AOL.com. M-O-T-H-R-A-Y-A at AOL.com. AOL ages me. Mothraya gives you my love of monster movies. <laughs> you mentioned, yeah, uh, Godzilla uh-huh. movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mothra, yeah. Mothra. Yes, oh, yes, yes, right. yes, yes, yes. Mothra. Ah, I see. And you're one of those, uh, you, you still hold on to that AOL uh, I do. It was free now, so that's why I had it all this time. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. If any directors out there or producers oh, you're looking for that's the, that's, a leading man. That's the one, baby. Go yeah. for it. Or anyone, companies that are looking for directors. You know, you can't go wrong with Ronnie. Alrighty, it's a wonderful afternoon. I'm going to release everybody, and uh, thank you so much. It's a wonderful Saturday. Everybody, uh, take care of yourselves, and as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign-off, mm-hmm. and we are out.